The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And let's do it. It's the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho and everybody listening. Hope everybody's doing good. Uh, this one comes from my wife, Susan. Uh, what do you call a Norwegian hooker? A fjord escort. Thank you very much. One of my favorite guests and collaborators on Talk is Jericho, Dave Schrader, is back. We're always looking for interesting topics to discuss, and we found one uh, this week. But let's, uh, first of all, the new show, The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader, kind of a whole new uh, vision for the show, new rebranding. Yeah, we, uh, we're still doing paranormal, but this time it's me on my own for the most part. And then uh, we're kind of taking a look at the paranormal in shorter Twitterverse bursts is the way I look at it. Everything's a little bit of a shorter segment, so we get right to the meat of the story and try to educate, entertain, and enlighten people while we're doing the whole thing. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Fridays, we do Supernatural News, and I've got three correspondents that we meet up with, and we have listeners participate in the show and tell their creepy stories. All kinds of cool little segments on the on the program, but I'm um, doing a Mondays and Tuesdays live. You can see the videos on YouTube at the Paranormal 60 page, and then the audio versions go out immediately afterwards to all different podcast apps and devices. Well, that's amazing because, like I said, I, I always enjoy your work. You're one of the highlights on on the Jericho Cruise Thank coming you. back for the uh, Four Leaf Clover, and the last time uh, the, on the Triple Whammy was, I think, the first time I've ever had a chance to come up and check out your show. And it was right on on top on on kind of the, of the bridge area, and it was packed. People were loving it. Yeah, I think the word is growing about about you and the, and and being part of the Jericho cruise. Well, this you know this is the third cruise that we did together, and then the fourth one coming up here this coming February. But we've always you know slowly built up from one little small room out to a bigger yeah. venue. Now we were out on the on the back. They call it the Great Outdoors, and it was funny because when you came in there. You know, there's a little nerves when the boss shows up to watch your presentation and not just the boss, but he's got the wife and the kids and the dad and everybody's in tow. And I'm doing the show and I'm doing my my talk and ghosts. And I happen to glance off to my right and I realized that the whole right side yeah. of the ship is filled with people, too. Yeah, no, like I said, it was packed. We didn't even have we couldn't even hardly find a place to sit. It was great to have that kind of um, excitement for the paranormal. You know, on our very first cruise, we did a UFO summoning that we had some really interesting results with and uh, blew a lot of people away. So it's kind of apropos that we're here talking about UFOs and, and strange sky phenomena today. Absolutely. I remember my dad went to that first one and he was saying you had, you, you had some strange lights in the sky, uh, some stuff like that going on, which is pretty cool. Well, my son was there and uh, he was fresh out of the Navy. He's on the cruise ship enjoying the, the Jericho cruise, and and he goes out to see what the old man's going to do. Yeah, we're going to go summon UFOs, right? Yeah. So we go out there, and we do this summoning session. All of a sudden, these two lights appear on the horizon, and the one holds steady while the other one keeps, like, dipping down water level and then coming up. And I'm like, could it just be the way the boat's moving? And my son looks at me and goes, Dad, this thing would have to be toiling back and forth at, like, 45 to 60-degree pitches right. for that light to be making that dive. He goes, that makes no sense to me as a sailor. As a guy who's been in the Navy for five years, I don't know what the hell that is. So that was cool. And, and just watching everybody kind of flip out, even the, the crew of the ship that were standing there next to me are like, what is going on out there? <laughs> well, like you said, it's a perfect segue as to what we're going to talk about today. The first guy I thought of when I, when I saw the UFO congressional hearings was, was you. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about this. Is there a background to why they suddenly decided to, for the first time in 50 years, have a literal government congressional hearing talking about UFOs or what's the other name for it? They call it 
UAPs now. UAPs, correct. That's right. That's the cool new wave name, right? It, UFOs are so 1940s <laughs> and 50s. Now we're unidentified aerial phenomena. That's what they're going with. So it's interesting, right? During the peak of COVID, all of a sudden, all these articles and news bits started sliding out. So while everybody was panicking about COVID and, and what could happen next and is the world falling apart, the government's slowly releasing information that we have footage of UFOs. And it's like, well, if we slip it in there, they're not going to pay that close attention. And nobody did. There was a very small segment of people that were like getting excited about this. Right. I was one of them. And then as our, our last president was leaving office, he signed in an executive order stating that there had to be a disclosure of what we knew. So the government put together a very, I want to say very controversial because a lot of people don't feel that we got the full boat of information on what was released this year, but there was some information released about all of these cases that they looked into. I think it was 144 cases that have just happened since, you know, the early 2000s. Mm. Of the 144, only one was identified. So suddenly that piqued the curiosity of people around the world and quite a few of our political leaders. And they're like, well, wait a minute, whether this is alien, interdimensional or whatnot, we need to know what this is. I think that's what kind of forced the hand. But there was there was a lot of hemming and hawing. Who's going to head this up? Who's going to take this on without feeling like some kind of buffoon? And luckily, we had two guys that, that stepped forward. You had uh, Moultrie and Bray committed to make this uh, a public forum and, and bring it forward. And I'm trying to, Ronald Moultrie is the Pentagon's top intelligence official. Jeez. Scott Bray, the deputy director of Naval Intelligence. So it's not like they got a couple of secretaries out of the steno pool to come up and take they two big shots in this field are willing to step forward and and examine what these cases could mean and this congressional hearing is important in the fact that it's been 50 years since the government has met officially talking about ufos and to share it with the public in the way that they did that made it an even bigger deal the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So what kind of things were they discussing? Because I watched a little bit of it, but it gets kind of, there's a lot of rhetoric and, and I knew I was going to be talking to you to kind of explain it all to me. The, the layman, so to speak, what kind of events and what did they talk about? Because it was fairly long too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little over an hour and I was I was pleasantly surprised. Now, there are a lot of the more hardened skeptics and cynics and paranormal investigators out there that wanted more, 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 more. But they do have to realize that we're skating a very thin line. First of all, they're coming forward admitting, showing footage, and telling people, we don't know what this is. These are craft that are moving at incredible speeds with no sign of propulsion, no propellers, no wings, no fins. We don't know what we're dealing with quite yet. So they have to be very cautious in the way that they did this. Now, when this information first began to leak out, I'm a skeptical believer in the paranormal, right? And, and, and claims of strangeness. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to UFOs, I'm excited. I get almost intoxicated by the opportunity to go to a location and actually examine it for myself, which I've had a chance to do on a few occasions. But during the COVID crisis, when all of this information was coming out, jokingly, I did this crazy video as we all saw ourselves in the mirror after a month of not doing anything or going <laughs> yeah. in half a growth. My hair was coming in. I just looked <laughs> like I hadn't slept in a month. I started laughing. So I did this paranoia video and I released it. And I'm like, Hey man, nobody's paying attention, but during COVID they're releasing information about aliens, man. And I'm starting to think that maybe they know what's going on. What if this isn't a real disease? What if this is something they know they're listening? The aliens are listening, man. They're scaring them off like War of the Worlds. Let them think we've got some virus running rampant on our planet. <laughs> and, and I do this whole crazy dissertation. I got a lot of views. People got a laugh out of it. And then I started getting a few emails from people claiming to be involved in the government who said, you are a lot closer than you believe you are. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, 
maybe I better back off. I don't want to vanish, right? Being a UFO investigator and getting onto something does not always work out well for those. But I also began looking at it from a more cynical view of what they're saying is very innocuous. Oh, look at this footage. Look at this craft that's going at breakneck speeds, obviously is not manned and could be extremely dangerous. And we've done some research. And what we can say is we know it's not China. We know it's not Russia. Hmm. Who could this be? And I kind of felt like maybe we were posturing. We weren't coming out and saying we could kick your ass in a fight if it comes to it. I kind of felt like we were saying it without saying it because things were tense with Russia. Things were tense with China. And this was long before the mess that we find ourselves in right now. Mm. So I started thinking maybe this was our way of, you know, hey, it's a soft disclosure to our enemies. We've got something that's going to knock you out because everybody knows in war, air superiority. Yeah. Once you rule the skies, you you rule the war. So I really thought that maybe as much as it broke my heart and I wanted it to be alien craft from another planet or interdimensional, I started to think, oh, we've got something really, really scary and dangerous. And then you remember last year, all of a sudden, I think it was China shows this thing that goes at nine times the speed of sound and can pinpoint accurate drop bombs and hit what it's aiming for. Mm. So all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh, well, look at what China has. And then Russia is making all these claims that they have it. So again, is this all just political posturing and keeping us from looking at other things? There very well could be an aspect of this. But in looking at the, the width and breadth of this entire deal, aliens, UFOs, and craft have been around much longer than craft flying in the sky. There have been reports about it, even going back to biblical times. There is Renaissance art. And Chris, we have to realize that Renaissance art didn't survive. There's not just copious amounts of Renaissance art that still exists, but in a major portion of it, there are strange craft flying in the sky in images of the Annunciation, which was when Mary was being told she was going to be carrying the child. There's this famous painting of this like flying craft beaming light between her eyes into her forehead, telling her of her gift that she's going to be given. And it looks very much like an alien craft. Then we see that there are images of Christ on the cross and flying above him are these two craft. Now, some say that, well, this is a, an artist's depiction of the sun and the moon going over. No, we very clearly know what Renaissance art looks like when they're depicting the sun and the moon and angels. In a lot of these images, Chris, you're going to see it looks like a craft, looks like a space shuttle or a, a UFO, and you can see a guy inside it pushing buttons. Really? They're racing across the sky. As a matter of fact, one even has like a little starburst on it that looks almost like um, the five-pointed star you see on like, uh, you know, our military craft. Right, right. Wow. So it's really, really interesting, and you start seeing more and more of these type of painting showing up. And one of my favorite ones is this beautiful painting in a church. And I'll, I'll have to send you this image to share with your, your listeners. But there's this gorgeous painting and you see God, Jesus, and above them, the dove, the Holy Spirit. And in between God and Jesus, there is this globe. And they both appear to have like quills or pens as though they're writing the history of earth. And then when you zoom, zoom in on this picture, it is very clearly some kind of satellite. These aren't pens. They're telescoping antenna. What? The rivet bars on the outside of the satellite. And they're both holding two angles of this. It is one of the most bizarre pieces. And what, of, what years are these? Uh, were these made? These are like the 1500s, the 1200s. These paintings are coming out. Wow. And when you look at the fact that these are church representations, the church had to be extremely cautious with the way that they presented things but they were very meticulous in the art that they commissioned. So they would hire these artists. They knew down to the exact amount of pigment that would be used because pigment cost a lot of money. As a matter of fact, you know, everybody always thinks gold is going to be the most expensive. The color blue, the blue pigment was always the most expensive pigment. That's why you always see Mary suited in blue and you see the most religious and most powerful of the beings in blue because it, it represented their royalty. So you can check these original receipts, you know, down to a detail of what they wanted to be represented in these original paintings. So the artists didn't have free will to just add what they wanted. They were being told by the leaders of those churches, by the Catholic Church, what to represent. 
I think that the church was very open about this at one point and then pulled back. Because even if you read the Bible, there are many cases of Ezekiel seeing the wheel within the wheel flying in the sky. Right, the wheel in the sky, yeah. Right. In the book of Exodus, as the children of Israel are making their way across the desert, they talk about this large plank that seemed to hover in the sky above them, sometimes hidden in the clouds, that would give them shade in the heat and protection from the rain. Sometimes it would land on the ground in front of them. And then they would hear booming voices coming down from it. So they were saying it was the voice of God. But obviously, it sounds very much like an alien craft. You know, now again, we can, is the Bible truly a book of the word or is it a book of parables talking to us? It's up to interpretation on that, but that the church has altered their stance. And then Pope Benedict, I think it was around 2006, came out and made a very controversial statement at the time saying, hey, it's no longer a sin to believe that there's life on other planets. And that's a big step for the Catholic church. Mm, Right, 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 right. Why would God, this artisan, quit with just one planet? That says something big, that the Vatican has its own observatory, tells you that there's something to what they're looking at as well. So there's been all of these clues in front of us for so long. There are famous sightings of UFOs in the air in times when they should not have been there. There were wars witnessed and people writing about these wars in the sky that would take place between craft. And this is very early on, again, the 1100s, 1200s, and they're writing about these these battles. And then we even coming into contemporary times, everybody knows about the Roswell incident. You've got some high-ranking authorities who go on the record, release a press release to the world saying, we have a downed craft. And then once the potentiality of what they said hit. Suddenly they had to backtrack. Oh, no, it's a balloon. It's balsa wooden balloon. And you mean to tell me, Jesse Marcel, who was involved in the bombs that nuked Japan, didn't know the difference between an an aluminum balloon and sticks and a downed saucer, right? Right. (laughs) It's crazy. But you, you find all these stories. There's the being in California. There's the Battle of Long Beach. What's that? Oh, my God, it's a great story, and there's insane images. During the war, there is this huge spot in the sky. You see spotlights pinpointing from all these angles and bombs going off. They couldn't bring this thing down. They were shelling it with everything they had. It would not go down, and it stayed in the sky. I think it was well over an hour, hour and a half over the the Long Beach area. Wow. You've got all these sightings where there are so many people. And then dragging it even more contemporary, there's some awesome audio from Illinois from, I I think it was early 90s. I think it was four separate police precincts are tracking this thing flying in the sky. They said it's like the length of two football fields and as high as like a 10-story building. And each precinct is like, these guys are screwing with us until it flew into their territory. And then they were following it. And the audio of the police talking about it, following it, and discussing what they're seeing exists. And you can hear it out, out on the internet. And it's been part of UFO specials. You've got O'Hara Field, again, around 2006, 2007, shut down. One of the busiest airports in the world shuts down because there is a craft hovering over O'Hare Field. Really? And you've got FAA talking about it. You've got the guys in the tower talking about it. You've got airport employees. You've got guys that are working maintenance on planes that are coming out and talking about what they're seeing in the sky. It gets shut down. They say, oh, no, it was a a hole in in the clouds. It was just strange weather formation that took place. Isn't that always the case, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were pinging it on radar. I mean, it's so well documented. Japan shut down their airport, and maybe it was China. I apologize to get the two of them confused in in the claims that went through, but their airport closed down twice in the same year because a giant flying craft hovered over their airport. So something dynamic is going on. And I think we're at the precipice where we can't hide this much longer. And for years, I've interviewed people on my show about UFOs. And the people that claim to be in touch with aliens are all about whole light and love. And we all need to come together. And we're getting to the point where we're destroying the planet. They're not going to let us. And when we get to that point, they're going to step in. And I think it's interesting, the point we're at in our world right now, we're on the precipice of World War III, possibly. Nuclear threat is coming. Yeah, We're destroying our environment. There's radical diseases from COVID to monkeypox. Monkeypox, Chris. That's a good one. Things are zipping around the world right now, and all of a sudden, 
well, maybe we need to get a top of this and start disclosing because I'm wondering if the government thinks these guys are coming in anytime now because we are screwing this up major. So to have this congressional hearing, it's a soft, soft sell to us, the people, and nobody flipped out. Nobody was burning down buildings. Nobody was looting in the streets. And I think they're slowly feeding this to us just to make sure that we're truly ready for what might be coming our way. Right. Now, you can also look at the fact, never do they say these are aliens. Never do they they say that these are unidentified aerial phenomena, that they very well could be, and they don't call them our enemy, but they call people that antagonists uh, against us might have this technology. But there was some really great question and answering that went on during this congressional hearing. They weren't taking it tongue in cheek. There was no X-Files comments and joking about Star Trek or Star Wars. They wanted to know things. As a matter of fact, I want to bring up this guy's name. I, I jotted it down. Representative Powell said that he was a little blown away because they were unaware of the incursions over U.S. nuclear facilities, which can be tracked back to 1947. Powell suggested that the U.S. Navy should outfit some of its vehicles with equipment such as spectral analyzers and wideband electromagnetic detection systems so they could be prepared to properly measure emissions from any UAP that they may come across. At one point, there was this, uh, and I'm trying to remember the name of the, the facility. I've talked about so many of them, I, I don't want to mess it up here. A Millbank. Uh-huh. Representative Gallagher talks about this UFO that was sighted over Millbank and as a result, shut down. 10 of our nuclear missile silos. Okay. Shut them down, had complete and utter control. And he asked Moultrie and Bray about this, and they both kind of, oh, well, we're, you know, we're not familiar with that story. And they had that look on their face like, oh, we're familiar with that story. But the representative goes, well, isn't this, this is why we should be looking into this. If these craft have this ability. And he goes, how do, how do you go about, you know, looking into that? And they said, well, you know, somebody of kind of importance has to task us with it. And and the representative looks around and goes, well, I don't know how important I am, but I want you to look into this, right? This is, <laughs> right. This is scary. If they can shut down our stuff, we should know about it. And a lot of the answers they deflected to was, we'll talk more about this behind closed doors, in the closed session. And when you listen to a lot of the people out in the field complaining about that, they're not listening to what the government is saying. And as much as I would love to know more, I also understand, and you know this, Chris, we also have to protect ourselves because if we can show how we're able to document these things, track these things and know what we know about it, it tips our hand to our adversaries so they know how to go undetected in doing the same kind of reconnaissance. So we have to be extremely cautious with the way we talk about these objects, how we're tracking them, how we know about them. They asked about downed craft, and to our knowledge, we don't have any. And there were a couple of representatives who came out afterwards going, this was a joke. Of course we know we've got downed craft. We've got this, that, the other. But again, some of the stuff you have to be cautious with. If we've got it and we're back engineering it and our enemies don't have it, we don't want them knowing necessarily what we've got or how deeply integrated this technology is into our systems. I think it's going to be a surprise all the way around when we finally unleash what we do know. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, there's lots to unpack from what you just said. So first and foremost, when we talked about those paintings from the 15th century, were they just found recently or they, they've always been? There? No. Okay. They've always been there. Many of them are in churches and represented. And for any of your listeners and followers, they just go in and start looking up aliens in art, aliens in Renaissance art, and you'll start seeing the depictions of all of these images. And it's it's really incredible. What you were saying leading up to talking about the hearing was very interesting because what you were pointing out that with all of the, the world in influx right now and things going on, that you're thinking that they are taking this time to suddenly conveniently bring up the UAPs because there's a chance that they know that we're going to be visited soon and they want to start kind of slowly weaning us into this idea. Is that kind of the idea of what you're saying? 
that is one of the biggest concepts that's being floated out there. This is called a soft disclosure. So they're doing it very slowly. They're very cautious in the way that they're letting this out. Now, on the other side of things, it could be that they're also distracting us, right? It's the the tail wagging the dog. While we're all talking about this, something horrible is going on that we don't know about yet that has nothing to do with aliens. Right. But Gorbachev and Reagan met in the 80s. And they had an interesting conversation about aliens and we need to learn to protect ourselves. That's why they started to put and implement the Star Wars system, that they wanted to protect our planet. At the time, they said the only way this planet's going to come together is with a universal threat. Oh, wow. And it's interesting. We have more derision now across the world. Look, Russia attacks Ukraine. Obviously, we're against it. All these other NATO countries are against it. Russians are against what's going on. We've got derision in our own country. There's problems in every country, kind of these weird outbursts. Maybe we need to have one joint enemy that we're all scared of, right? It's like 9-11 happened, and most of the world became Americans that day. Right. Everybody sat in their homes looking at this tragedy that befell the United States, and people were raising American flags all over the world. People were coming together. And, of course, we had an outspoken group that were not and certainly did not want good things for us. But we suddenly, everybody realized, man, if America is this vulnerable, we're all screwed. That brought a lot of people together for a while. And I think if aliens show up, that's going to be the next point of everybody going, well, so what are we going to do, Putin? Right. What are we, what are we going to do? Uh, right, right. Everybody's right. going to kind of come together because we've now got to figure out how are we going to deal with what may be coming next. So when you talk about the, the hearings as well, so mm-hmm. who is in these meetings and also, who finally decides that it's time to discuss this? We, we know the reason why from a timing standpoint, mm-hmm. but is it the president that says we're doing this? Is there the head of the military that says we're doing this? So answer that question first and then tell us who else is there in these hearings. You know, you've because they're congressional hearings, you've got Congress represented. Um, so you've got people from every state that's coming in to hear this to to do it. It, it, it wasn't I didn't feel it was a great showing of support, but I, I thought it was really well done. And the people that did show up seemed legitimately concerned and showed some attention. Now, the president on his way out of office invoked this deal that he wanted the truth to be revealed and they had to come out and reveal it this year. So that's part of it. And obviously, when we start realizing the stakes be it alien, Russian, China, or Canada attacking, we need to know who our enemies are, right? We need to know if there's a problem where it's coming from. Yeah. And I love the fact that one of the first key notes that they covered in this is we need to destigmatize reports of UAP because for years, the best eyes in the skies are our fighter pilots and our commercial airline pilots. And they've been silenced for fear of losing their career being branded insane and talking out of turn. So I've spoken to so many different military personnel that have been eyewitness to UFO and UAP contact and visuals. And they have been told by their commanding officer, what'd you see? Well, you were here, sir. What did you see? I saw nothing. Good. That's what I saw. And that's how the conversation ends. So now they've pulled back that stigma and they're saying, We need to report this because these are the people that are going to save us. These are the people that are going to alert us to first contact with whatever it is, whoever it is. And that's an important element that they took it that seriously that they're like, you know, we have to do stigmatize that. They also thought ahead by asking the question, what are the repercussions for false narratives, for false representations? If Chris Jericho called in a bomb threat, there's going to be repercussions for putting in this threat. So if somebody's saying that we have these things in the sky and they're posing a threat and we spend money and time to find out that this guy's screwing with us, they should face a penalty. So I thought that that was interesting. It also leaves them a little bit more leeway in what information they can release and will release. And there might be a few martyrs thrown on the fire during all of this, but at least they're talking and they're talking publicly. So I think that's important. But yeah, you've got the president who wants more information and understanding because Biden wants to know what kind of threats we're actually facing. I think every president has since I can remember going back to um, Jimmy Carter was the one I, I actually remember as a president, right? Gerald Ford, just the tail end, then Jimmy Carter. Right. Every president has had an interest. As a matter of fact, the last time we had a congressional hearing about UFOs, it was led by Gerald Ford when he was in Congress. Really? 
he was one of the, the people pushing for this. And he had had an eyewitness account. Jimmy Carter had an eyewitness account. President Reagan, who succeeded him, had a, uh, an eyewitness account. You've got Bush, who was in charge of the CIA. You know he knew what was going on either way. Every president and presidential nominee has said that we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to talk about it. And and then you hear Obama and Clinton now, and they talk about, they're like, hey, yeah, I know things, but I can't say anything. And there's a good reason we can't say anything. Right. It very well may be because it's ours and we have to protect it. It very well could be that the world is not ready at that point for us to admit that we have alien issues. Well, I remember I went to NORAD, gosh, maybe five, ten years ago. Obviously, it's in Colorado Springs, and it's kind of the the hub for the defense of, of America. And they gave us a tour because there were wrestling fans, whoever was able to organize it. And I asked one of the guys, so where, where, where are the aliens at? Where do you hide the aliens? And he didn't laugh or smile or smirk at all. There was no joking <laughs> about where are the aliens at or they're in the closet. It was more like right. <laughs> he's giving me the, the sign of like, you know, we're not answering that because you don't need to know where the aliens are. Right. And you know the difference between humor and just deadpan. And I was like, wow. Right. So anyways, so, so when we're talking about this, so what kind of things were discussed at the hearings? What was shown? What, what uh, events were explained? The footage that they showed, I felt was very lackluster. It was like a quick flyby of this little silver thing as you saw one of the pilots filming it out of his cockpit window. Right. It was very lackluster compared to the footage that has already been released. But truthfully, at that point, when you've seen the gimbal footage and you see what the military has already released, it's kind of hard to beat that. So I think they were just throwing in a couple odds and ends that they had readily available to just show. But Tell us about the gimbal footage. What's the gimbal footage? The gimbal footage is the famous footage that was released and, and shown those tic-tac. They refer to them as the tic-tac uh, UFOs. Right. And they look like a tic-tac. They're perfectly oval. They're smooth. They're, there's no wings. There's no propulsion. There's no engines. There's nothing of the sort, but they're able to watch us. And the gimbals, at first, they're like, oh, maybe the gimbals were working. And they are trained to keep locked on a target. And they're going, my God, this is fast. This is insanely fast. And this wasn't a one-time deal. In some of the instances, they were seeing these over periods of weeks and months. Wow. They were witnessing this and capturing footage. Now, the Nimitz is the famous one. And there is a great documentary out right now. It's on Amazon Prime and a few other outlets. It's called Tear in the Sky. T-E-A-R, Tear in the Sky. Caroline Corey did this amazing look into ufology, UFOs, what's going on. She actually partnered up with many of the, the crew members from the Nimitz who were part of that movement in telling the truth and being out there. Their careers were ruined. Their lives were ruined. They were embarrassed. As a matter of fact, in interviewing them for this documentary, they're getting choked up, realizing, look, now the world's just accepting of this. We lost our careers. We, we lost everything. We were humiliated for talking about this. Wow. And they're into it. And they were out investigating in Catalina. They had triangulated an area that's well known to be seen for these tic-tac-like craft. I don't want to give much away, but they capture some really cool evidence and a really amazing anomaly that occurs in the sky that I want to know more about. And they're still doing research. They have hours of footage. They showed you what they could in this one. They're still analyzing and going through it scientifically frame by frame to pick this thing apart. But that gimbal footage is of these tic-tacs as they're planes flying and they're watching these things going and some of them are flying at unbelievable speeds and then they just go underwater wow it's like a james bond right you know that's the only thing you can move at mock speeds and go underwater without creating any kind of yeah. explosion or seam so it's crazy and they're all like wow this is are you seeing this this is amazing what are we watching and when you have that kind of footage and the government has helped to release it and it's part of a tip right which you've got uh, tom delong and uh, from the Stars Academy and all of these other people, uh, Luis Elizondo and people coming forward to try to get this word out there. People that were involved in, you know, three letter agencies that are coming forward and part of our defense and the government's not talking out about them. You know, like Lou Elizondo, a lot of people are trying to discredit him. A guy like this who's out there saying what position he had and what he's doing. If he was not that he'd be in jail for perpetrating a fraud and claiming to be a part of the military and the government. He wouldn't be allowed to continue to be out there unless he's a disinformation agent, which is what a lot of people discuss as well. Again, that these aren't aliens. They are our own craft and we're just covering our ass. So that it goes back into that conspiracy again. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. They were talking during the hearings that um, there's five explanatory categories of the uh, resolved reports. I'm going to read them out, see what you think about it. Mm -hmm. Airborne clutter. Natural atmospheric phenomena. Now, airborne clutter can be like a, a large mass of birds that are migrating. And as you're watching on radar, can look like a giant craft coming at you. So that is some of the clutter that they talk about when they're dealing with that. Sometimes it's also, in, in a lot of states, they're, they're doing away with this now. But at weddings, they've done away with throwing rice. They now send up these Chinese lanterns. And they'll go up into the sky in these huge clouds of orange balls, oh. right? They're, they're paper lanterns with, with a candle. I see. And you'll see this. So they'll pick up a mass on camera that is truly, it's, it's false evidence appearing real. It looks like a large craft or multiple craft when it's something very innocuous like birds or a Chinese lantern. Okay. That's a good description. Number two, natural atmospheric phenomena. Right. You're going to have different pressure systems. There are different weather patterns that can create things that, again, on radar and in the sky can give you false images. There's there's this crazy footage, Chris, of a ship and you're looking at it out on the ocean and it appears it is hovering 100 feet in the air above the ocean. And you're like, how is this happening? <laughs> and it's atmospheric and it's refraction and reflection off of the ocean creating this optical illusion that the ship is, in fact, above the ocean. It's really weird. And there are images of this kind of refraction that has shown like where you see it almost looks like a city in the sky. And it might be Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. It's showing these reflections and you might be casting off of uh, buildings off in the distance that we can't see with the naked eye, but the light is raising them, the water and the pressure from wherever they're at is creating this illusion of showing it and almost printing out there like a uh, movie projector. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and then we have U.S. government or U.S. industry developmental programs. Right. Which is a great point that they brought up during this as well. At one point they go, so what kind of clearance do you guys have to do this investigation? And they were kind of like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, are you working with everybody? Are we sure we're not going to be chasing our own tail? <laughs> and they said, oh, yes, we understand. And we do have bipartisan support on this. And they will definitely let us know if it's something that they're aware of and maybe don't want us to push on, but they're, you know, it's, it's one of our own. Okay. And then we have foreign adversary systems, right? Like this uh, mock, whatever mock five, mock 10, whatever the hell is this thing that China shot off and was hitting with eerie accuracy. They know about those. They know about a lot of our adversaries flights and what they're able to do. And scary thing is they're getting better. They're getting better at making these craft that can fly below radar. Yeah. Fly at insane speeds, can hit with pinpoint accuracy. So they are showing us what they can do. I mean, they still have to be closer to us from the ocean. They're going to have to fire these rockets off and do these things, but it's showing. So we are aware of a lot of what our adversaries are doing and, and they're bragging to us about it as well. Okay. And then other, which serves as a holding bin of difficult cases and for the possibility of surprise and potential scientific discovery. So when they say for the potential of scientific discovery, it's like, Cryptozoology includes Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Chupacabra until we find it. And then they take it from that bin and they move it over into the science bin of zoology. It becomes a creature we know exists, gotcha. right? The right. great apes. And this is, this might blow your mind. We only found the great apes less than 200 years ago. Right. Up until that point, they were still a myth. Nobody believed that these things existed. Our country has been around longer <laughs> than gorillas have been around that we're that we were aware of. Right. So that's kind of shocking. So could Bigfoot, could these things exist? Sure. But they took it from the cryptozoological findings and moved it over. They had the furry fish. They found those. They're real. This wasn't a, a fake deal. Right. Then they they took from the cryptozoological aspect of those um fish, the coelacanth that they thought. Coelacanth, yeah. I was going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, died out millions of years ago, and then they find it. So that's all this is saying is that 
what we've got right now is stuff that we need to test and put new protocol on so that we can take it from the unknown and put it into the known category. And th- that's what they all want to do. And they all hope to get those answers for. Well, and that's the crazy thing about it too. So that, that that's um, kind of a, a wide open other, AKA that would be the alien craft mm-hmm. that we're all assuming what we're talking about here, but they're kind of skipping around the edges of it. Well, in the new documentary, Terror in the Sky, and I only mention it because there are a few of these documentaries that go beyond sensationalism and really kind of try to evaluate and examine science of what they're doing. This one really interested me. And the fact that the show is called Terror in the Sky gives you away some of what they encounter. They believe they see this portal rift in the sky that they're able to see through. Oh, wow. So that's pretty telling that they've got some really great footage that they're still trying to look over and analyze to make sense of what they all saw when they all reviewed it. Everybody was astounded, but you see cloud cover and all of a sudden there's just, just this opening that appears. And in that opening, you can see clearly into the sky where there was no opening in the clouds and you can see things moving within that portal. I don't know. It's crazy. And and again, a lot of this is fun, right? I grew up Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, right? I love this stuff. That's right. And in 2006, I'm driving home one night. I'm listening to Coast to Coast with George Norrie. George is talking to this kook, James Gilliland from Trout Lake, Washington, who has UFOs over his property and blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to this interview and I'm like, this is crazy. And what blew me away was at the end of the interview, it was so compelling to hear this guy and why he believed what he was seeing and doing. And then he goes, and if you come to my property on a clear night, you have a 90 to 95% chance of seeing actual craft in the sky. And you don't need an invitation. We're open year round. I went a month later and showed up on his property and I saw things I still cannot understand. That excites me. As a matter of fact, I was so excited about it. I went back two more times. And then my friends from the TV show, Paranormal States, you know, the kids, college kids are like, Uncle Dave. So this UFO ranch, we're thinking about doing a field trip episode where we stop chasing ghosts and demons and we go look for UFOs. Do you want to come? I'm like, yes, let's go to Trout Lake, Washington. We went had a great time documenting the UFOs. We caught some crazy phenomena in the sky. That episode's called First Contact, and it's paranormal state if people are interested in going back and watching it. And that's already 16 years, 15, 16 years old. And we were capturing things over the sky that we just should not have been capturing. Well, what did you see? There were lights that were moving across the sky, right? It was a rough night because it was nearly a full moon, which, you know, blanches out the sky. You can't see all the stars when you have a full moon. Yeah. But this specific area, Trout Lake, Washington, is so devoid of of city lights. The sky is gorgeous. You can actually see the band of the Milky Way. It's just gorgeous. So I'd seen this on all of my first trips. And we go back with the crew. So we're using these high-generation IR goggles of binoculars. And we're watching, and there's just one light in the sky. And we weren't even filming it. We were just hanging out, and we noticed this one light. And I'm like, oh, that's a satellite. It's just going in a straight row. But I wanted to see it through the binoculars. Now, with the binoculars up, and I go, holy beep. And they go, what? And I go, look at this light. And I handed the binoculars off to Ryan, and he looks up. One little light at the beginning is all you see. But when you look through the binoculars, there's a huge black triangle following behind it. It was the tip of this craft flying over at night. Wow. And then when you stood back and look, you could see that all the stars were missing from that part of the sky as it was moving through. And everybody was just like, what the hell? Why don't we have cameras going for this? It was unbelievable. And one of my favorite lines ever uttered on a paranormal TV show, we had gone there. Chip Coffee, the medium, had gone with these kids everywhere to investigate. They bring him here. He thinks maybe he's going to investigate this house. And he gets out of the car and he, he, he looks up to the sky and he points up and he goes, something weird's going to happen in the sky tonight, right over here. (laughs) Now, unbeknownst to him, about an hour earlier, James Gilliland had come out to us and said, I spoke to my friends, the aliens, and they're going to make themselves known. And he pointed to the exact same point in the sky. So we're like, all right, maybe they prompted Chip. I'd like to think that they didn't, but maybe they prompted him to point and just to be a cool cutaway scene. Right. That night, we're out in the truck. We were in a pickup truck. And it's like good old boys, right? We're all in the back of the pickup truck and Ryan's driving it. Chip's in the in the front seat and we're cruising <laughs> out into this field to look at this light and we're watching it. And we've all got these green laser pointers and we're aiming it at it. And this is post 9-11 where you remember all these people were getting arrested for pointing laser pointers at aircraft. Sure. We're also not far from a military installation. So if we're painting a military craft, you know, we're all going to jail. 
and we're pointing at this thing with these lasers and we're watching it and it stops. And we all kind of look around at each other and look back up and all of a sudden it powers up and it starts like it's pulsing at us. Oh, wow. And Chip Coffee, <laughs> Chip Coffee's so excited. He stands back, he goes, blast us with your power. <laughs> we all just <laughs> fell out laughing. It was the greatest moment. But we were watching, we were there steeped in it. So four times I've been there, four times I've had experiences. Amazing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, let me ask you a couple questions here. Well, he, he said, my friends, the aliens, he communicates with these, with these aliens? Yes, he does. How does he do that? They make themselves known to him. Most is telepathic communication, which, again, if you think back to that Renaissance piece, you know, the Annunciation, when there's that image of Mary praying and you see the beam of light coming through and hitting her between the eyes, that's like telepathic, right? I mean, it's right. feeding something directly into her mind. So to have that... He's spoken to them, he claims verbally, but mostly it's through telepathic means. And you hear these claims. And this guy's a sweetheart. He's a mountain of a man. He looks like Grizzly Adams, right? <laughs> but he's a sweet guy. You hear what he's saying and you're like, God, you are so, you've got to be high. There's no way that this is real to you. And then two minutes later, something happens, right? Uh, come on, man, right? I can't explain what's going on. When I went there the first time, we had first night cloud cover. I was really bummed out, but there's Mount Adams out there. That's the the volcano they believe is a dormant volcano that these craft use as a oh. a base. And I'm kind of like, uh, okay, but I can't explain it. It's cloudy. There's no rain. There's no thunder. But there's these lights pulsing in the clouds above the uh, volcano. So I start thinking, all right, this is atmospheric conditions, right? There's got to be gases and heat coming up from even a dormant volcano. It's going to be releasing that playing off the low pressure system of the clouds. We're just getting that. So I, I kind of dismiss it. But in the back of my head, I'm like, that's weird. That is still very weird to see. And then I come back the next night, clear night. We're watching these things moving through the sky and they'd come flying over in a straight line and then bank off at a 90 degree turn and take off like a bat out of hell. Jeez. They would blink at us, flash at us and then take off. So the third night I go out in the field and instead of looking at Mount Adams, I turn around and I face everybody and I'm looking at the back part of his property. And he's got all these pine trees and tall trees back there. And I'm watching and we're out there for about an hour. All of a sudden, Chris, I see this thing come out from behind one of the pine trees. It's flying like it's swimming in the sky. It looks almost like a manta ray without a tail. It swims out across the sky. It's blue. And it's like that ice pack blue. So it's got that iridescent glow to it. Yeah. It's not lighting up the sky, but it is self-contained light and it flies across the sky. It was so weird. I thought this looked like a bad 1980s music video effect. <laughs> I'm thinking he's projecting something. There's a screen between those trees. He just suckered me. So I start running towards it. Yeah. I grab up some rocks as I'm running towards it and I'm throwing rocks between the trees, waiting to hear that something slap, nothing. And I'm, I'm out there and I walk all the, and I walked a long way to get to that area and I walk through the trees and there's nothing there. And I come back and James is just very calm, has this kind of smirk. He goes, what'd you see? I go, I don't know, James. He goes, well, describe it to me. And I said, well, it was glowing blue and it didn't fly. It looked like it was swimming across the sky. It looked like it was alive. And he goes, oh yeah. He goes, those are half living, half biological craft. They're, that's how they get in between dimensions. Wow. And my brain just froze. And I looked at him and I'm like, I saw this thing. I can't think of a better explanation than what you just gave me, but how high are you? <laughs> Because there's, but he was so, and then he said to me, he goes, and now that you see them and now that they know you're sincere about looking, you'll see them again. You'll see more. I've looked to the sky so many times and I've seen amazing light shows and weird things in the sky that once you open up to it, man, I firmly do believe there is some kind of connection that you start to get. And it's easy to write it off as you want to, and maybe you're projecting and thinking and what's a normal light system or normal craft in the sky. You're allowing yourself to believe as UFOs, but 
if I were the only one, I'd think I'm nuts, but I've been around other people that have witnessed these things with me and it's, wow, there's no explanation for it. But yeah, he talks to him. He's friends with these aliens, <laughs> but even Whitley Strieber who wrote, wrote the book communion and movie communion. When I first had him on the show, I know our listeners were really psyched and I was a skeptic. I'm like, this guy writes movies, right? He was a screenwriter before this and he wasn't a very successful screenwriter, but he was a screenwriter and he'd written before and he had stuff out there. It wasn't until he connected with communion. So I asked him on the show, I said, so Whitley, if this happened, why did you write it as a novel? Why wasn't it just your experience? He goes, Oh, the, publishers wouldn't touch it if it was real. You know, I had to write it in novel form. Huh. And I'm like, okay. And as the interview progressed, he's even questioning himself on, is this real or did he imagine it? And then I, I ask him something and he starts, yeah, it was real. It, it raped me. It raped me. It hurt me. It touched me. It did these things. And I'm like, my God. Okay. Yeah. We visit with him again years later, totally placid about it. He said, no, they're our friends. And I said, well, when you visited us the first time, you said that they were, I didn't understand what they were doing. They were just checking me out. That's what they do. And I'm like, this is weird. Just so weird. Rape, using the rape. word rape takes it from checking me out to something completely different, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is he like this kind of, um, what's that syndrome? I can't think of it. Not Nuremberg syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Right. Is it just that he's been visited so many times? He's just like, oh, they got to be friends, yeah, right? Yeah, That's right, the only right, way right, I can right. process what they're doing. <laughs> so I don't know. Each one of these claims is more bizarre than the one before it, but they're fascinating. And the people telling them, I think it's equally as fascinating to hear their story and why they believe what they believe. So, so as we start to wind down here, a couple more things about the congressional mm -hmm. hearings. that They said that there were 11 near misses between unknown objects and U.S. military assets. Right. Let's talk about that for a bit because that's a pretty big admission for them to say that. Yeah, I, I copied that. Bray said on the meeting that there have been at least 11 near misses between U.S. military aircraft and UAP. He also said that the U.S. military hasn't tried to communicate with the UAP, including the unexplained object in the video that they showed earlier during the hearing, which may or may not be controlled in flight. And Representative Gallagher's like, wait, so we're not hailing it? Uh -huh. We're not, you know, I guess we're all thinking Star Trek, right? Hail, hail the Klingon ship, right? Right, right, right. Nobody's calling out to it. We see these craft and everybody's just kind of like, oh, look at that. Wow, what is that? And <laughs> they're talking between each other, but nobody's calling. And I guess maybe you're thinking, well, are you even on the same radio frequency? But yeah, the fact that we've had 11 near misses with these craft tells you something. And there is belief that there have been strikes that have taken place and that they've buried that and haven't talked about it. There's also, you can, if you love history, Chris, you can actually go back and dig up. There's a story that the Red Baron shot one down. Oh, wow. Yeah. First Snoopy, now UFOs. <laughs> this, this guy won't let up. Well, that's back in, that's back in World War One, right? Right. Yeah. There was claims that he had shot down a craft that they could not identify and he shot it down and some have come back to try to debunk this claim and that there's no official writing of it. But again, during wartime, would you officially admit that you just saw a UFO? Right. And during wartime, the Foo Fighters, right? These guys were seeing these things flying alongside them. That's what's always made me wonder, are these craft us from the future? What we know of history is only what the winners tell us. Good point. Are we going back and going back to re-examine history as it unfolds to be able to say, no, this is what really happened. When Pope John Paul died and they were going to announce the next Pope, the Vatican, that is controlled airspace. And I believe it was MSNBC that had footage that as they were releasing the gray smoke that they had chosen a new pope, there's a craft hovering in the sky. And they all started talking about it. So all of these things, there were UFOs sighted in the skies over New York prior to the 9-11 attacks. Were they there to witness before and after? It's strange. Or are people just trying to pigeonhole things? No, like you said, there's, a, there's so much there. Was there any last notes from, from the hearings that you wanted to bring up? I think we have to be patient with this. I think the rabbit is out of the hat now. I think we're going to get more information. It's not going to come at the speed we've wanted it, but we've waited since 1947 for some official acknowledgement. We're getting it. But I think we're also at a very dangerous time in our history where we have to be very cautious with what we do release because we need to know for certain that this isn't our enemy and that we're not setting ourselves up for a fall by having a black eye and looking like idiots when we call this alien and then they come in and kick our ass. 
we're going to have to be extremely cautious. So I'm just asking people that are fascinated by the subject and want more information, be patient, listen to what they're saying, look at who's making these comments and what are they, how is it propagating the field? And if they're giving us enough nuggets to show us that they are taking this seriously, I'm cool with them taking their time to get the information out there officially. They're still protecting people from 1947. They're still protecting people from the Kennedy assassination. We haven't even gotten that information, which was supposed to be released to us. Right. So this can change a lot in the world. So we do have to take it carefully. And the government has painted themselves into a very awkward position. And we have to understand this. This is why I'm giving them some, you know, some kind of room to move. Because once you've spent this many years saying, no, it doesn't exist. I've said since I started doing paranormal radio back in 2006, when they announce this, it's going to be stuff they're going to admit to that's taking place right now. I don't think they'll ever go back and admit to Roswell. Yeah. Because if they do that, all that does is then blow up. You see how people are reactive now to the government's hiding things from us. Right. If we officially acknowledge, yeah, we hid this from you. What else did you? Kennedy was assassinated by Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to be what else is going to come out in all every QAnon crazy is going to come out there with some lunatic fringe element of what's really taking place. So I think they have to be cautious with what comes out now. So I think we're only going to hear about things from 2000 on. And that's what they're going to agree existed. Right. And well, we, we, we've never known. We've never had the ability to check like we do now. And I think that'll be their plausible deniability. But I, I think we're closer now than ever to see things. If you don't mind me plugging really quickly, I did an episode a few weeks back on my show, The Paranormal 60. And I talked to Scott Walter, the forensic geologist from America Unearthed. This guy is a forensic geologist. He knows his stuff. He's in the science of this. And he is the last guy on Earth I would believe would be talking to me about aliens and UFOs. And we spend the first half of that episode talking about the Renaissance art. And I show examples on my YouTube page. And then he unearths these images and these items that he has uncovered and he owns. And they are astounding. I sent you a picture of one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this has got him stymied. He can't explain it, but he does know that some of the items he was able to date because of the way they were put together. He was able to take some of the adhesive that they had used for putting pieces together on this. Some came back as old as 12,000 years old, some 5,600, some 8,200. Wow. These are very clear depictions of aliens and alien civilizations, and they're amazing pieces. So I recommend people go check out that episode. It's called Alien Artifacts or Fiction Yeah, uh, with Scott Walter. But that was that blew my mind, the stuff that he had. And I got to see it, touch it, experience it, photograph it for myself. And this stuff, I think, is going to blow the lid off of a lot of um, skeptics out there if they give the, give this a chance. And, you know, Scott's working diligently to try to continue to scientifically look at these items and see what he can prove. Last few questions. So how did they end off the, the congressional hearings to stay tuned or here's what we know so far. And when we get more information, basically this is it. Uh, We thank you for your patience, your understanding. Thank Congress for allowing them to have this. Now we have to say good night and it's time to go do uh, behind the scenes work where we can talk more openly about the intelligence aspect of this, that they couldn't talk about openly on this forum. Last question for you, Dave. So let's move forward five, Mm -hmm. 10 years. What do you think? I mean, obviously we're talking about there could be an alien invasion. What do you really think? if you had to predict is going to happen over the next few years regarding UAPs and UFOs? I think in, I, I said this 10 years ago, I said, I think we're within 10 years of a, of a disclosure. We are here. We're having the disclosure. I think within 10 years, we're going to have concrete proof. The world is going to see together. I honestly believe Chris, if they wanted to take over, it would have happened. Right. If they have that kind of superiority, it would have, I think maybe they are the, how do I say this? Cause I don't want to piss off the religious sect. I think they may be involved in the creation of the life on this planet. Not saying that God didn't create life to begin with. And these guys are the scientists. We do it. Oh, wow. We right. can't stop manipulating genomes and figuring things out. I think the aliens were, were part of that Petri dish. I think that they're over watching us. And if we start to mess things up too bad, I think they're going to step in like angry parents, you know, coming home from the party early and finding that everybody's wrecked the place, you know? Wow. Interesting. It's going to be that end of weird science where the party's gotten out of control. Well, Dave, it's always interesting to talk to you. And once again, lots of things to think about and discuss. And, and we'll post some of those pictures when I when I drop the show. And uh, like I said, anytime you got more interesting topics, just just let me know because you're always welcome here. I'd love to, buddy. And I look forward to being on the uh, four-leaf four uh, clover, clover uh, Jericho. Yeah, Can't wait to see what you pull up, come up with this year. 
And I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it again, probably unannounced, but I'm, you know, as a big deal, but on one of the nights, I think I'm just going to do another one of the UFO hailings and see if we can capture something and get a big portion of the people to come on out once things have settled down on an evening, maybe even after a Fozzie concert, we should just get everybody to kind of power down and power up That's and see right. if we can have something happen over the ship. Call, call James from uh, Trout Fish Lake and see if he can uh, give him a call. Yeah, Trout Lake, Washington. <laughs> Trout Lake. <yeah. laughs> All right, man. Good seeing you. Thanks, bud. You too, Chris. Take care.